So I'm going to read a Dhamma talk or an extract from the Dhamma talk from Tanajan Liam, Lumpur Liam, who's the abbot of Wat Bapong and uh, who's lived at Wat Bapong for almost all of his monastic life. <coughs> Namotasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namotasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namotasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Uddang dhammang sangang namasami Lumpur Liam Titadamo was born in Thailand and entered the monastery as a novice in 1960. He took higher ordination in 1961. Since 1969, Lumpur Liam has stayed at Wat Nam Bapong and trained under his teacher Lumpur Cha. In 1977, Lumpur was asked to officially become the deputy abbot at Wat Nam Bapong. Lumpur Liam looked after the monastery in many ways, both in the training of the monks and in the maintenance of the monastery buildings. He built a commemorative museum for Lumpur Cha's requisites and rebuilt a new large Dharma Sala and new dining hall. They were finished on the night of January 15, 1992. The following day, Lumpur Cha passed away. Lumpur Liam was officially made the new abbot of Wat Nomba Pong in 1994 position he's held until now. 2001, he was given the ecclesiastical honorary title Tan Chao Kun Wisuda Sangwaratera by His Majesty the King of Thailand. <clears throat> the entire world and everyone in it needs the Dhamma as a protection. We all survive and find comfort in life with the support of the knowledge and skills, mindfulness and wisdom of countless others. Without their help, we would all perish as soon as we left our mother's womb. We'd have no food to eat, clothes to wear, or house to live in. Our parents, whose faces we'd not even seen before, gave us life and all the things we need to make us healthy and strong. For our clothes and living places and all the various skills we learned, we're entirely indebted to others. From the very first moment in our mother's womb, we owe a debt of gratitude to countless people, besides our parents and all our teachers, to whom our sense of gratitude is incalculable. Even people of one nation have much to be grateful for to those living in another. This is something which, if you think about it, is not too hard to see. Knowing and acknowledging with gratitude the the debt we have to others and placing them above ourselves is called katanyuta. The effort to repay the debt is called katavedita. The ones who know what has been done for them are called katanyu. And those who return the favour gratefully are called katavedi. 
Katanyu Katavidita, acknowledging the debt we owe to others and paying it back with acts of gratitude are spiritual qualities which protect the world from harm, help society to function and lead to peace and happiness. People, however, are less and less able to see that we all have this mutual debt of gratitude which must be repaid. Failure to understand this truth is the reason for the increase in heated fighting and quarrelling. So taking an interest in the qualities of Katanyu Katavedi is something which is of vital importance to us all. All the beautiful customs and traditions of old have in part been grounded in the principles of Katanyu Katavedi. These qualities were firmly established, nurtured over time and deeply understood by all societies. Anyone who fails to accept that our lives are inextricably linked with one another and who does not see our mutual indebtedness will surely live a life of selfish ingratitude. The people who manifest most gratitude are the ones who acknowledge that even cows and buffaloes and other animals have helped us along the way, all the more so our parents and our teachers. If more people could develop gratitude to the cows and buffaloes of our world, then society would always be happy and peaceful on account of such a broad vision and lofty thoughts. Feeling grateful even to the animals, how could we harm our fellow human beings to whom we owe so much more? Any society will prosper and flourish when its members cultivate spiritual qualities. Having fully developed the human potential, the capacity for profound thoughts, people will be diligent and skilled in earning their livelihood without intending even the slightest harm to one another. If we wish to so prosper, again it goes without saying how much we have to be grateful to our parents and teachers since these are the true devas illuminating our lives, the Pujaniya Pugala, the people worthy to be held up, high above our own little heads and truly venerated. One who develops a more refined sense of gratitude in life will, will gradually feel a deep appreciation to the forests, fields, streams, rivers and swamps, the paths and roads and everything in the world, the flowers and the unknown birds flying here and there all around us. Not knowing the value of forests, there are those who have destroyed them with their selfishness. So our children and grandchildren have no wood for their houses. In addition, the streams and marshes dry up because of the forests where the water reserves naturally gather have all gone. Without the forests and the flowing streams, the clouds can no longer form and build up to release their abundant rains. Fruit trees are cut down whole, so the entire worth is reduced to what can be harvested that one time. If people simply had gratitude in their hearts, and these things would not happen, these things which gladden the mind would be, would be plentiful all over the earth, and wherever we are we would live at ease. Being grateful for all the things our planet provides us with, we would cherish, nurture and foster its welfare. On a deeper and more subtle level, we can also acknowledge even the debt we owe to our enemies and feel grateful for life's obstacles. Viewed from this angle, such opponents help us to grow in wisdom, patient endurance 
and a spirit of sacrifice. People who are envious and jealous only serves to strengthen our own hearts and bring out the best of our metta and karuna, which we might ordinarily lack. All the difficulties we face allow us to see the world in its true nature, and through learning how to overcome life's challenges, we find the way to a life of ease. All our illnesses and problems can thus give rise to insight in us. We are forced to let go until we really see the truth of anicca, dukkha, anatta, and eventually realize the path and fruit of nibbana. People without katanyu do not know the value of these adversities, and they heap disaster and peril onto their lives while digging their own graves with anger and negativity. Their minds know no ease, and their lack of self-control with the frustration it brings, means they are filled with fear and trembling as life seems to go ever more wrong. They're on a fixed course for self-destruction. However, those who appreciate life's challenges, who gratefully rise up to meet them, bring an immeasurable coolness and beauty to the world. The most demonic of people, the world's maras, they venerate as if they were virtuous monks. The yucca types, those who are insatiably greedy or angry, they view as truly worthy human beings. They see the generous side of stingy people, and even in others' jealousy, they manage to find a degree of warmth. If all people felt this way, how could our world fail to become a heavenly realm? We should all be grateful to our enemies, for they are the ones who give us life's highest teachings, lessons which are to be found nowhere else. We should therefore give thanks to them and honour such teachers with our own efforts to embody goodness, sharing the blessings of our life with them. There's so much to be grateful to our enemies for. People with Catania are very aware of this. With no enemies or obstacles in life, the world will be empty of truly capable people. Knowing the value of adversity, nothing in life is perceived as bothersome or difficult. With lofty thoughts such as these, as people develop this most subtle sense of gratitude, this very capacity to appreciate those who oppose us and those things which obstruct us, the heat from the frictions of the world become cool. Considering how even our enemies have been of so much help to us, try then to imagine the value of our mothers and fathers and the highest of all objects of veneration, the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. Not a single one of us was conceived in a hollow tree stump. We all arose in the little space of our mother's womb with the help of our father too. Having born into the wide world, we survived through to maturity thanks to the daily sacrifices of our parents and all the countless others who played a role in our lives. The Buddha and all wise people point to the role of our parents, honouring them as our primary caregivers, who, having brought us forth, provided us with all the support we needed to flourish. They are the ones who equipped us with the skills for living, taught us how to be good, and gave us many other things that have brought blessings into our lives. Anyone who lacks integrity and incapable of feeling appreciation for his or her parents will surely never know the debt they owe their enemies. Deeply absorbing one's parents' qualities is a clear sign of katanyu, wherever in the world a person is from. 
One who lacks gratitude to his or her parents will never fully be trusted. Spiritual teachers undertake the task of training their disciples' minds, picking up from where their parents left off and taking them to yet higher levels. For this person, teachers have to develop extraordinary patient endurance and painstakingly put their hearts into their work. If they are to plant and cultivate deeper and deeper levels of spiritual awareness in their disciples' minds, this is the sign of true metta in a teacher. They must constantly study and train themselves to a very high level, thereby having the wherewithal to install the truth in the disciples' hearts. This is the sign of true wisdom in a teacher. Teachers must be constantly selfless and in this way remain the reliable objects of their disciples' deep veneration, not just spiritual workers to be hired and fired. Any disciples having cultivated a wholesome mind and knowing what is proper will feel much katanyu towards their teachers, those who bring coolness to the world with their enduring patience and wisdom. Acknowledging the debt we have to our parents and teachers simply makes one want to give in return. This is achieved by doing only that which will be a benefit to future generations. Disciples would do anything to honour the good name of their spiritual home and they constantly share the merits of their wholesome actions with their mother, father and teachers. The Lord Buddha once said that when we reflect correctly on the qualities of someone who has died, then only one path lies open to us, that of developing goodness in ourselves. In the broadest sense, this means to honour that person and share the blessings of our life with them. So anyone who loves their mother, father or spiritual guide and who knows the debt owed to them should turn their hearts and minds to that which is beneficial for the world. The Blessed One, the Buddha, is known as the supreme teacher for the ability he had to deepen people's awareness to a point where they no longer experienced any suffering at all, to a state of nobility, a realization of enlightenment. The Dhamma taught by him is a pathway to improve the mind and go beyond the oceans of suffering. The Sangha, men and women whose lives are dedicated to following his teachings, have handed down these truths over the years until they've reached us here today. This opportunity we have to receive these highest gifts is as wonderful as if the Blessed One himself was offering them directly to us. The noble disciples endured all manner of hardships in order to faithfully maintain the Buddha's dispensation, all of this having been done with a heart of deep devotion and gratitude to the teacher. We can be encouraged then that the teachings are nothing other than our true rightful inheritance passed down through the katanyu of the noble ones of former times who were determined to live their lives in line with the blessed ones' intentions. This katanyu of the enlightened disciples has allowed the Dhamma to span the millennia and still to this day the world can find respite in the cool refuge and under the shade of these teachings of awakening. All this is because of the constant hardships endured and the sacrifices made based on the spirit of Katanyu flowing strong in the hearts of the liberated ones. The world is protected by the Dhamma because from the time of the Buddha onwards 
Members of the assembly of his disciples have not wandered away from his instructions, their lives always following his guidelines. Thus they have honoured and kept alive his spiritual qualities. Gratitude is what protects the world and in turn is something that we should all protect. In truth, all good Buddhist traditions and customs have arisen based on the principle of Katanyu Katavedi. They were born out of gratitude and were designed to further instill this sense deeply into the hearts of the next generation. All our various rites and rituals, starting with the cremation of our parents and teachers, should be grounded in the spirit of Katanyu Katavedi. This needs to be firmly established in everyone's mind more than any other thought. So we carry out these ceremonies with true dedication, with no sense that there might be too much fuss and bother or the expenses are in any way wasted, because we see how important it is for our lives to be suffused with a feeling of Katanyu Katavedi, and how in turn this makes the world a cool and peaceful place. All the traditions and religions of every nation, of every tongue, have these principles at heart. In our Buddhist teachings, we must take great care to ensure that however we repay our debt of gratitude, our efforts are not wasted, but are genuinely beneficial for society. In this way, the feelings of gratitude which should be felt by all Buddhists bring cool shade to the world and lift up people's hearts. If all of us could realise this highest truth, the fact that each of us human beings has a debt of gratitude to everyone without exception, even, again, those who perceive each other's mutual enemies, then people would vie with one another to carry out acts of goodness and virtue in order to fully pay off the debts we owe. If the hearts of everyone on earth were truly filled with Katanyu Katavedi, then doubtless our world would be more beautiful and alluring than the heavenly realm, safer and more praiseworthy than the heavenly realm, more desirable than any heavenly realm. If we consider this well, we'll be able to maintain restraint towards another, not acting impulsively or out of anger. When we think of people who have helped us in the past, parents, siblings, aunts and uncles, then we won't act in mean or selfish ways, and even if we do at times, unthinkingly, we'll be quick to ask and to give forgiveness. Thinking of parents and teachers who have passed away brings up thoughts of respectiveness, and so we care for and behave compassionately towards our fellow human beings. Katanyu, the spirit of gratitude, has the power to change a yucca into a true human being. The spirit of gratitude will benefit the world so much and keep it cool forever. Thus we should cherish this highest of qualities, striving and sacrificing to keep it alive in our hearts as the safest shelter for us all. A1. So this is the 
full moon observance and uh, tonight we are using the occasion to practice a vigil um, so it's this kind of group effort to practice meditation together for another couple of hours it's not uh, very long actually in terms of the endless oceans of, of sangsara and the realms of rebirth and so forth a couple of hours or so <laughs> is even a wink in the eye of a brahma <laughs> but of course in the mind every moment feels like something yeah so one of the points of having a, a, a group vigil is a sense of you know, just going into a group form. And I think this is something you can bear in mind in terms of what we just heard from Paul Liam. You know, it's this sense of what he calls interdependence. And I think one of the main um, the obstacles or challenges for many of us is that our way we're, we kind of think, although we're formed in our, in our societies very much kind of individual based you don't have so much sense of duty and obligations to your elders or you you go to school and your teacher so what and you leave them you don't ever contact them again you know you don't live at home with your parents you get out and so on so it's very much the individual freedom free will personal determination and these have certain good qualities into them you can bring up a sense of initiative personal initiative, inquiry, these are all quite uh, uh, good and they're often quite highly developed. But um, this has to be balanced with the sense of, you know, uh, recognizing, you know, this heart quality. I think because what can happen is we get a sense of independence and initiative, but it's very much following one's own own ideas and thoughts and inclinations and this heart quality of sharing, sharing space, sharing time. You know, so you very much widen your awareness and you start to let, you know, your, your, little, your own little world and structure and ways of doing things just be part of something bigger than that. And that's, you know, that's quite a change, but it is, a, you know, a place where we, we kind of start to, get less intense about ourselves and less caught up in ourselves and less judgmental about ourselves and less kind of trying to make ourselves into something. It can be a place of great peace and humour and harmony and friendship. You know? It doesn't have to be such a big deal to oneself. And uh, so, you know, it's, this is something, just being part of something. And, uh, you know, when we started this monastery then you know, it was like everyone shared rooms. Ajahn Samadhi and Ajahn Viridhamma had a room together. I had a room with Kitty Saro, Nando and Venerable um, Lakana had a room together. And that was when things got a bit softer before. There were like five of us in a room. <laughs> and the four, the four first nuns had one room. They had room three or four of them stuck in that you know, room together. And it's like, you know, and you, went, you know, first thing you get morning puja, then you have the 
breakfast together, you have the morning meeting together, you go to work together, bindabar together, you have another meal together, and then the afternoon work together, and the evening tea together, then the evening puja together, you go and kind of sleep together. <laughs> so, it was quite a challenge. <laughs> there they were, you? some of that. Yeah, you know, you had to sort of just kind of you know, let go of some of these boundaries that we carry, and uh, you know, the the the, uh, the drawback can be just a kind of blind conform conformity and and losing yourself. So you know, uh, it, it's a sense in which we do have time when we're on our own personal space, looking inquiry. Seeing how you work, what makes you tick as an individual, really looking at yourself or uh, what appears to be yourself, but then also sensing that in the larger sphere, sangha, community, Buddhist tradition, and this feeling of it's not something we just kind of put up with, but something we feel a sense of respect and gratitude for because, you know, certainly as a gone forth person, you, you know, you can't go forth unless there's, you know, a sangha and a precept and a teacher. It doesn't happen. You can read all these great books about it and have it all sorted out on paper and the rights and wrongs of each lineage and tradition and the ordination procedures are perfectly in line. Unless you've got some flesh and blood people, it isn't going to happen. <laughs> unless there's lay people who are going to support you, <laughs> it isn't going to happen. So you can't kind of go forth into this and sort of say, well, yeah, now I'm, I'm sort of want to be on my own, like, you know. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's a bit, so it's flipped over there, hasn't it? You know, so yeah, you know, just, just, uh, and it's, it's not, you know, gratitude is not something that has to be terribly effusive or, or expressive so much as just that sense of, uh, of, um, you know, Kindness, respect, uh, listening to, responding to. It's not, you know, any kind of dancing around hugging each other. <laughs> but it does help because then I think if one places one's mind in that way, then, you know, if I place my mind purely on the kind of personal individual level, I can find fault with everything. You know, nothing quite fits the way I want to do it, the way I see it where I've read it the way it should be I get pretty picky it's not you know it's strange because I'm you know it's not that I'm personally negative it's just that particular way of looking at things I start to see how things don't fit the me (laughs) (laughs) so then it's more useful to actually look at the big thing and think how can I you know meet that, flow into that, you know, and uh, then it, to me it brings up better kind of energy. I don't get so uh, frustrated or or critical. I've been more equanimous and more uh, contented, you know, just being part of it all. Mm-hmm. It's some, some critical negative faculties start to quieten down. So, 
you know, I do do recommend it. It's not trying to kind of browbeat everybody into 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 some gratitude or conformity, but I do strongly recommend it because I have the same kind of conditioning and the same sorts of struggles about what about me and my space and all that. But uh, you know, this has been one of the main themes of of the training other than you know the meditation technique and the vinya stuff and actually the main theme of the undergoing training of the culture of sangha has been this particular form in this particular lineage from Ajahn Chah is very strong on the sense of you know just keep aware of the group keep aware of not just the group here but also the group in terms of time and all your karmic connections you know, your, your parents, your friends, your relatives, you're saying even the cows and the buffaloes <laughs> you've eaten. <laughs> you know, just kind of widen your, your sense of what you, what you're, what's made you, what forms you. And then it will be for, for one's welfare and happiness because, you know, actually we live in a miracle, really. We're living on, you know, we're living on a credible tsunami of benevolence and good fortune uh, you know wow when you look at it like that you know somebody's telling me it's 70% of the gold crests little birds died this winter time the whole population you know 70% of the entire population of one bird species just died in the winter time they just couldn't make it through the cold Imagine if somebody says 70% of the, of the human beings in England died <laughs> or even 10% or even 1%. You know, so, you know, well, thank you. And uh, even this kind of government you can moan about and the national health and the system and so forth. But, well, you've been out in the cold, you'd probably be dead like a gold crest. <laughs> Yeah. So there's a lot there, isn't there, when you you consider it, and how we don't, how often we don't consider it, how often we don't consider it. That's that's, you know, this everything given, you know, how sometimes one doesn't pay much attention to that. That very, you know, certainly as a gone forth person, you know, everything is given. For a lay person, they can think, well, I bought this. But yeah, you know, you don't bought it because it came off some animal's back. <laughs> that's, that's how you got it. That's how it was available for sale. <laughs> or somebody wove it or made it. You know, so that that uh, really one tries to live modestly and, and uh, not, you know, without leaving huge tracks and traces and footprints uh, and devastation in the planet and really try to see what one can put back into it and it does help to to uh, go against this kind of tanha the self-forming you know pulling it in tanha that uh, is one of our was our major obstacle so in terms of uh, tonight's practice just how we can bear presence be you know, use this place, use this situation and get a sense of uh, an occasion that will help to support us when we feel, 
you know, why bother? Um, and encourage us and uh, create this little kind of time of of peace and commitment and endeavour that's going to have its effect for our own welfare and for for other people. Mm. So, so. Uh,